good morning. Happy Easter to everyone. Still fascinated how it's Easter Sunday. It is, it is the biggest and grandest day in humanity's history. People come to worship. They come to be a part of the body of Christ. They come to celebrate. They come to acknowledge who and what Christ is. Churches all over the world. And we still have an empty front row. It's just fascinates me how it happens. It's magic. Always happens. I hope you guys have had a wonderful Easter up to this point. Today, church, today the sun rises. Today the sun rises. I don't know about you, but uh, I have had in, in my past, I've had some bad days. You've probably had a bad day before. You've probably had a bad week, a bad year, a bad season of life. And sometimes these bad days, sometimes much of life, seems like it can be dark. Seems like it can be dark. We have been talking over the past few weeks and and months about light and how important light is. And how light changes our life. How we can even participate in being that light. And so, Sorry, Maurice. I, just the cutest little boy in the world. I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's the problem. You know, just the way it is. And how we can be a part of that light. Uh, today, we understand what it means to walk towards Jesus while perhaps it's still dark. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you do. We thank you, Father, for, yes, we thank you for, the, for all these kids, the kids that are here, the kids that are in the other rooms, just, just your wonderful and just, just precious creations. I thank you so much for them. I thank you, Father, that Jesus died for us, and today we celebrate the fact that he didn't stay dead, that he rose, that he conquered death, that he lives eternally just like us. And we get to participate in that same incredible miracle, that same incredible gift, all because of what Jesus has done, and I thank you for it. Father, help us today to understand or realize what the gospel message is and how important it is to us, Father. Help us to realize that you love us and you care about us, and there's something beautiful and wonderful about an empty tomb. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, today is the day the sun rises, and we saw earlier today that there is beauty and hope and wonderful things in the sunrise, but there's even beauty and wonder and hope in the sunset as Jesus dies for us three days ago, as He gives the human being full access to the throne of God. He gives the human being full access to the perfection of God, and that's not something that people ever experienced up until the point of Jesus Christ. But now, the Son today breaks us free. Breaks us free from this power of death. It breaks us free from any futility in life we might have. Because I'll tell you, if all we do is get to the end of this part of life and blink into nothingness, this life is is futile. There's nothing there. There's no reason for it. 
As a matter of fact, we can go further than that and say, what about the difficulties here and the hard days here and the struggles here? Is there any reason behind that? Is there any purpose behind these things? We can find meaning and purpose and value even on the dark days. Most of you, many of you know the story, the Easter story. Early in the morning on Sunday, Mary, Mary Magdalene, and a few other ladies go to the tomb where they buried Jesus. Jesus died on Friday. He was placed in a tomb, a borrowed tomb, with a giant boulder rolled in front of it to keep people out. There were, there were, there were rumors, there was rumblings that uh, his disciples and people around Jerusalem and all these people who were praising him on the day he came in, what we call Palm Sunday, the day he arrived at Jerusalem, from all of their lips and their mouths, we hear rumors about the resurrection of Jesus and how he said these things are going to happen. And so they make sure that they cover up the front of this tomb with a large boulder that no one can move. On that tomb, they place a seal, the seal of Rome, a wax seal. So they put this this boulder in place, and on it they place a wax seal. And whatever you do, you don't break that wax seal, because that's as though the emperor himself or Caesar himself is sealing that tomb. And so they put a seal on it. When the ladies finally get there on Sunday morning, they see that the tomb is open and Jesus' body is not there. They run to tell his disciples, and Peter and John follow them back to the tomb to see, to witness, or perhaps confirm what Mary has said. After they leave, Peter and John leave and the rest of the ladies leave. After they leave, Mary is alone at the tomb in the garden, as it were. And Jesus approaches her. The new Adam approaches her in the garden. She doesn't recognize it's him until he speaks, until she speaks to him. And then Mary's sorrow is turned to joy. Jesus is alive just as he said he would be. Just as he said he would be, he is alive. Well, that's the short version. That's the short version of the resurrection. There's a lot of, that's just a retelling of some of the things that we read in Scripture. It's, it's, it's leaving out some of the details that we read in Scripture. But none of that really is using what I like to do, use our imagination to put ourselves in that scene when we watch these things play out. I've told you before, in order to grasp a Scripture properly, you need to use your imagination. There's a lot of things about life, there's a lot of things about history, there's a lot of things about Jesus' ministry that are not added word for word in Scripture. We need to put ourselves in there. We need to use our imagination. But let's look at how this morning played out for one woman and see if we can put all the pieces together and how we see an example of this, believe it or not, even in Acts. In the book of Acts, we see a similar example. John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. John, John 20, verse 1, one verse. This is going to be the message for today. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now, Matthew tells about these women going to the tomb early in the day. Luke talks about this, as does Mark. But John here adds a small line that the rest of them don't have. And, 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 and at first glance, it seems like it's almost, uh, he adds it for apparently no reason. The line is this, while it was still dark. While it was still dark. 
If you know anything about, <laughs> about John's account of Scripture, um, Matthew and, 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 and Luke and Mark, they really look at the, the basics. They look at the, the nuts and bolts, the, the meat and potatoes type of, of things that Jesus is doing. John, John looks at Jesus' ministry from a whole new angle. He looks at it from uh, the divine side, from the spiritual side, throughout all of his account. And here we see, we see a journey begin while it's still dark. This darkness could be the day, early in the day, and I think it is. But it also shows and represents, it talks about, really, the condition of Mary and the other ladies, the condition of the disciples, the condition of those who followed Jesus, the condition of the attitude around Jerusalem, the attitude around the world, while it was still dark. You could see this as a physical description. You can also see this as a spiritual description, an emotional description, very similar to Genesis. You know, Adam and Eve sin, and God is walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam hides himself, and God says, Adam, where are you? That's not a physical question. That's a spiritual question. Where are you? Where are you? We see a spiritual condition here, not just in Mary, but in the world itself, while it was still dark. Let's assume that we can speculate what Mary has gone through. Her friend and her teacher has just been crucified. He hasn't just been, he hasn't just died, he's been tortured to death as she looks on. I don't know how many friends you have, I don't know how many close people to you you have, but their relationship was extremely close. And this man was now tortured in front of her eyes. This same teacher that has died, told her wonderful things, told her amazing things. Here's what he did. He made huge promises and performed miracles. And now, now he's dead. Now he's dead and she suffered through watching this as he was suffering. Crucifixion, it's the, it's the worst form of death that humanity had come up with at that point. It's death through suffocation, basically. But they torture while they're doing it. Imagine the condition of Mary, the sadness. You've felt sad before. I know you've felt sad before. I've felt sad before. Imagine the sadness of the loss. Sadness of her friend being tortured in front of her eyes. What about loneliness? Loneliness. Here's the one they put their hope in. Here's the one they put their trust in. Here's the one they put their faith in. Here's the one who's teaching them, guiding them. Now he's gone. Her friend is gone. Loneliness. What about confusion? Confusion. I know this happens in my life sometimes, that I don't understand why things are happening the way they're happening. In fact, I've got information that says it ought to happen a different way. Jesus made large promises while he was walking, while he was teaching, while he was serving Big promises, promises about life, promises about power, promises about eternal kingdom of heaven. And now the guy is dead. What do I do now? What am I supposed to, am I supposed to go home? Am I supposed to stay here? What am I supposed to do at this point? Should I give up? Should I walk away? The guy's dead. What about anger? Anger. 
anger at the ones who crucified Jesus, but not just anger at the ones who crucified Jesus, maybe anger at the one who made all these promises and now he's dead? Do we have that roll around in our hearts, our minds sometimes when things happen? Anger. What about fear? The disciples, the rest of the disciples, they're being hunted. We forget about this sometimes. Jesus' followers, particularly the 12 or the 11 at this point, they're being hunted. Uh, This is evident by the fact that Peter denies even knowing who Jesus is because he's scared for his life. The Scripture says that later on they're meeting together in secret behind locked doors. So all of these these disciples and these followers that have been walking around with Jesus are also now being hunted by the Roman guards or the temple authorities. Jesus is public enemy number one, but they're going after them as well. Sadness, loneliness, confusion, anger, fear. Sounds pretty dark to me. You ever been in a dark time, dark place, dark days? Maybe have all of these things together. Maybe have all of these things mixed. Many of her friends have scattered. The one seemingly giving direction is not there. We can reasonably reasonably put it this way. Mary's world, her life, is being crushed. That's what's happened over these past couple of days. It's being crushed. And as though crushed was not enough, soon her entire world is going to be shaken. She's being crushed, and her world is going to be shaken. We're going to find that when Mary arrives at the tomb, not to spoil the end of it, uh, but the the stones rolled away and Jesus has risen. What happens at the same time that the stone rolls away? What happens at the same time that Jesus rises from the dead, Matthew chapter 28, this will be on your screen. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Verse 2, there was a violent earthquake. A violent earthquake. Mary and the ladies start towards the tomb while it is still dark. And their lives, their hearts, their minds, everything about it. And not only that, to make matters worse, while they're on their way, their whole world gets shaken up on their way to Jesus. May shake up your world on your way to Jesus. May shake up your world between you and another, you and a friend, you and a family member, you and a co-worker, relationship. Sometimes our worlds get completely shaken when we're on our way to Jesus. Sometimes our worlds, not only are they shaken, but we're also in fear in the dark. The only place we can go is forward towards Jesus. Let's put all of this together. Mary, the sadness, the loneliness, the confusion, the anger, and the fear, while it is still dark, while the time is still dark, while Mary is still dark, while the heart is still dark, Mary knows one thing. She wants to go from where she is to where Jesus is. That's it. I've got to get from where I am to where Jesus is. And on the way, or even the event that started this journey, her whole world is literally shaken. This shaking could be enough for many of us to stop. The shaking up of our world can be enough for many people to turn back. The shaking up of our world can be scary. It can even be destructive. 
Yet sometimes, shaking up your world can lead to the greatest ends, the greatest things in your life, especially if your world is shaken in the dark. So Mary keeps going. Mary keeps going. I don't know how many people would have stopped. The world's shaking. Let's go home. Let's stop. But Mary keeps going. By the way, when she gets to Jesus, when she encounters Jesus, she doesn't even know what she's going to do when she gets there. (laughs) She doesn't know what it's going to look like. She doesn't know what it's going to feel like. She doesn't know what step one's going to have to be. She doesn't know the kind of actions and the kind of work she's going to have to do when she gets there. Matter of fact, the ladies are talking about it along the way. They're heading there. One of them, one of them says, you know what? There's, there, there's a boulder in front of this. Mark chapter 16, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? It's dark. My world's being shaken. All I know is I've got to go from where I am in a dark place, in a dark time, in a shaken world, and go to where Jesus is. The problem is when I get there, I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to do. I know I've got to go to that church. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do when I get there, though. Sit down. Sing, pray, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I know I'm supposed to pray, but I don't know what to say and how to say it. I know that Jesus gives promises, but I don't even know what to look for sometimes. I, I, I know that we're supposed to give our lives over to Jesus. Jesus is somehow, somehow supposed to make me, give me this peace and this, this value. I don't even know how that works. What am I supposed to do when I give my life over to Jesus? They don't know what they're going to do. Not only that. But they're going to have to confront two Roman guards when they get there. Again, have you ever felt this way? Maybe you feel this way today. It's dark. My world's shaking. I know I need to head towards Jesus, but frankly, what good is it going to do when I get there? Even when I get there, how am I going to overcome these insurmountable insurmountable obstacles? Because I still have them in my life. Even if I get close... Is there still going to be a barrier, some sort of barrier between me and the presence of Jesus and His work and His power in my life? Mark tells us that as they they make their way, as they make their way to the tomb, while they may have started their journey in darkness, the sun begins to rise, Mark chapter 16. Early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, as they're on their way to the tomb. Church, look, whether... Whether we're using the sun as an example or not here, whether this is a resurrection story or not, the actual physical sun, doesn't matter. The point is this, the closer we come to Christ, the better we see. The closer we come to Christ, the better we see. We live, you live, and, and you might be in this spot, a, a, a blind world. They don't see reality, they don't see their own value, their own worth, their own mission. And if you don't see that in yourself, you're not going to see that in other people. If you don't understand the the, the impact that your life has in the very heart and mind of Jesus Christ, then we're not going to be able to show that same kind of love to others around us. The closer we understand, the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to an empty tomb, the more clarity about who we are, who Jesus is, and the path that He wants wants us on. The closer we come to Jesus, we begin to see that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. When the sun rises from the darkness, we see the world as it truly is. Though you may have to be shaken up a little bit to get to that point. 
Because so often when our world shakes in darkness, something is about to happen. Light is on its way. Life is on its way. Mary shows up not to see Jesus. She shows up to see an empty tomb, Matthew 28. She gets there. Her and the other ladies see this angel. The angel said to the woman, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Emptiness. That's what Mary went to see. That's ultimately what she found was emptiness. You see, sometimes emptiness we think of as a bad thing. Sometimes emptiness we think of as a negative thing, but this is the greatest emptiness that she Well, she never saw. The greatest emptiness she never saw was Jesus' body gone. Jesus' body resurrected. She's on her way to Jesus. And so the angel says, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, so don't be scared. I know it's dark. I know we just went through an earthquake. But here's what else I know. You're looking for Jesus. You're on your way to Jesus, so quit being scared. Quit being terrified. Quit being filled with pride and fear and wonder and anger. Stop being scared if you're looking for Jesus. If you want to be in the presence of Jesus. If you want to believe in the power of the resurrection of Jesus. The closer we come to Jesus, the more the fear goes away. Emptiness of the tomb means that Jesus is who He says He is. That He did what He said He would do. That His promises, no matter how great, are always kept. That's why this emptiness is the greatest emptiness you could ever see. That God accomplishes the impossible for you and me. So while Mary's whole world is being shaken in the darkness, Jesus is doing something miraculous for her. Your world might be in darkness now. It might have been yesterday. Your world might be shaken up today. It might be shaken up tomorrow. But Jesus is doing wonderful things if you're on your way from where you are to where He is. He's given you life. He's given you purpose and mission and value and meaning. And I'll tell you what, you can begin right now to begin to trade your pride and fear for His joy and peace. Pride and fear, I hate those two things. I hate them. And I struggle with them in my life too. Don't think that I don't. I do. It ruins life. Ruins life. You're you're scared because you're prideful, by the way. So get rid of the pride, you'll get rid of the fear. Replace that with peace. Replace that with the joy of Jesus Christ. Jesus does something miraculous. You don't believe me, he does the same thing in Acts chapter 16. About midnight, that's in the dark. Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas begin to sing. Paul and Silas begin to pray. They begin to sing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. That's the scene. Paul and Silas in the dark in prison begin to pray and sing to Jesus. It's the same story in Acts that it is at the tomb. They weren't waiting until it was light. They were praising Jesus in the darkness. Mary didn't wait until it was light. She went looking for Jesus in the darkness. Verse 26 of Acts 16, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the very prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew off and listened, and everyone's chains came off. That's Easter. That's Easter. Your life, your hope, your certainty of eternal life, before Christ, it's in prison. It's in chains. Your life is in chains. 
But when Jesus rises from the dead with the earthquake, the very foundations of your prison and my prison are shaken and the chains come off, guys. You want to live like a prisoner? Then give up on Jesus. But you want to live like a free person, free man, free woman, to live eternally? You go to the empty tomb. You go to the empty tomb. And I don't care how dark your world is right now. Darkness is the time to get moving. Get moving towards Christ. And hey, look, when your world gets shaken up on the way, don't come talk to me. Just say, hey, look, preacher said it was going to happen. This is difficult. There's some shakeup, but it leads to wonderful things. All at once, the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Luke chapter 4, this is what Jesus was here for. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Church, that's the gospel message. That Jesus died for you and me to set us free. That Jesus died even while we're in the darkness to set us free. That Jesus died shaking the very foundations of your world and your earth to set you free. That's what Jesus does and what he continues to do to those who simply accept an incredible gift. Church, the message and the mission of Christ has never been one of persecution. People think it is. People think that it's, it's, it's one of bondage. It's never been one of bondage. If you think following Jesus is a list of rules, you don't know what it means to follow Jesus. Okay? If you think following Jesus is just a list to do this and don't do that, you don't know what it means to follow Jesus. It's never been bondage or tyranny. Giving your life over to Christ has always been one of hope and freedom and life and power and courage. Always. From the very beginning. It's been one of love and certainty of eternal destination bathed in peace. That's what the empty tomb means. That's what it means to walk towards Jesus even in the midst of darkness. I realize, church, with everybody in here, group this size, I know that some of you are in darkness right now. Whether it's a dark day, a dark time, I realize that some of you face darkness as you go through life. Church, darkness is not the time to stop. It's not the time to turn back. It's not the time to give up. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness, I know you're with me. It's the time to go through the darkness. It's time to go from where you are to where Jesus is, what He wants, what He loves, what He likes. And all of those things are you to go through the darkness. Through is one of God's favorite words. Through, I want you to go through. The darker the night, the more resolved to the journey to the empty tomb we ought to have to feel your Creator who loves you. Loves you so much that He willingly went to the cross for you to give His life for yours. If you don't want, if you don't want this darkness to be your definition, if you don't want this darkness to be your earthly definition, if you want it to be one of life and power, you give your life over to Jesus. And by the way, that doesn't mean it's going to solve every problem in your life. The journey to the tomb did not ultimately or did not eliminate all the problems that Mary was ever going to have to face in this life. But all of those problems and those issues and those mountains that she could climb amounted to nothing. 
Because she knew her friend, her God, her Savior was once dead and now he's alive. He says, I'm going to save your life along with resurrect this life. And that's what he did. Mary lives now. Mary lives today. A lot of people throughout history live today. We don't get to see them right now. But they live today because they gave their life to Jesus. They amount to nothing because eventually, even though Mary saw her teacher and her friend die, Mary got to see the face of her friend, her Savior, and her Jesus. Jesus told Mary as they meet in the garden, See, I told you. I told you this is what I was going to do. And in my imagination, as he lifts her face with his hands, with his still scarred hands, and tells his daughter, your price has been paid. Your price has been paid. Your life has been saved. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all who the Lord will call. And by the way, if you're wondering, if you're called, stop wondering. Today's the day. Today's the day. You've been called. At this point, it's a denial. You've been called today to give your life over to the truth of Jesus Christ, to set yourself free. Quit walking in slavery. Quit spending time in darkness to give your life over to... Yes, it's good. If you want to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. So you give your life over to Jesus, allow it to be shaken up, and then you save it. And today you've been called, church. Stop wondering. The gospel message has been preached in your hearing, and you're called through the darkness. See, that's Easter. Easter, church, is a rescue mission. It's a rescue mission from a dad to his kids. That's Easter. And, and, and the father looks around. He turns to his champion. He says, will you go? And his champion stands up and he says, Father, I will go. He says, Here what I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to save him. I want you to go into the darkness and do whatever it takes to bring him home. And that's what Jesus does. What it takes is his life. The death of the champion saved you. Easter's a rescue mission, church. What do we get to do? We get to say yes. That's it. We get to say yes. Can you say yes? Is that that hard? Is it that hard to accept a gift? To get out of the darkness, to get out of the confusion, to get out of the uncertainty of whether or not you're going to go to heaven. Stop that. Don't live that way. Say yes to the rescue mission. Be changed forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, that Jesus loves us. We thank you, Father, that he gave his life for us. We thank you, Father, that though we are in the darkness, we can still walk towards Jesus, where Jesus is. Father, we realize our, you shake up our world all the time. We realize so often you want to break us down and rebuild us. Help us to accept that. Help us to realize that we get to say yes to the best rescue mission that ever happened, Father. That we can put aside all of the foolishness, all the pride, all the fear, all the confusion, all the sadness, all the loneliness. 
Father, we follow Jesus. We look to him for, for our very lives, the definition of our lives. We thank you, Father, that our lives are saved. We thank you also, Father, that there is not one thing we can do to earn it. I thank you, Father, that this is a gift and a gift only. Since it's a gift, I can't mess it up. I thank you that I don't have to earn this, that I don't have to buy it, that I don't have to be good enough or wealthy enough or poor enough. I thank you that I just get to accept a father's love for his kids. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand and sing. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I made you. When I was breathing, but not. Alive. And all my failures I tried to hide. It was my doom till I made you. You called my
Good morning. Good morning and happy Easter. I um, told people at sunrise service I was confusing happy Easter and merry Easter and merry Christmas and all that stuff together. I think you can say merry Easter. I think that's all right. All right, we're going to allow it. Officially, it's allowed, just so you're aware from here on out. Today is the day the sun rises. Um, and the sun rose, and it's beautiful. Uh, not every day, though. Not every day is beautiful. In other words, there's bad days. There's bad days, there's hard days, there's hard times. Maybe there are even hard seasons of life that we go through. I heard somebody say, tell me the other day, I don't know where they got it. heard somebody tell me the other day uh, uh, that, you know, don't let, a, don't let a bad day ruin a good life, um, you know, there's, there's, but there's bad days that all of us have. Some of those days are dark, some of those times are dark, some of our lives can be steeped in darkness. There's a big difference between darkness and what happens when our lives are illuminated by truth, illuminated by who and what Christ is. Uh, so today we talk about the significance, the importance of going towards Jesus in the darkness. Uh, but also, we see a picture of the gospel story in the book of Acts, of all things, and what Jesus does for us and what it means for you and for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Once again, we thank you for who you are, <coughs> for what you do, what you continue to do, and what you've done uh, through your Son, Christ. We, through your Son, Father, we live. Through your Son, we are forgiven. Through your Son, we are made right again. Uh, through your Son, we, we get this right here, this moment, right now, to pray to you, to talk to you, to, uh, in our minds, our hearts, to be in your throne room. You listening to us, all of this through your Son, we know that we're not perfect, but He is. And we thank you for that gift that's been given to us. Father, we thank you that today, life begins. Today is, uh, today is everybody's birthday, Father. I thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 20, verse 1, and that's it. That's... That's what we're going to be talking about. There'll be the rest of them on your, on your screen, but that's, that's where we're going to come from, the first verse of John chapter 20. Again, today the day, is the day the sun rises. Earlier today, during sunrise service, we realized that there is great hope and beauty and wonderful things that come with the sunrise, <coughs> but we also realized that there are wonderful and beautiful things that come with the sunset as Jesus died for us three days ago. He gives the human being through that death full access to the throne of God. Even though God is perfect and we are not perfect, we are perfected, made righteous through Jesus Christ. But now, today, today the sun breaks free from the power of death itself. This last final enemy, the one enemy that nobody, no thing can defeat, uh, this is the day Jesus defeats death itself. But not only does He defeat death, He sets us free from a life of futility. He sets us free from a life of futility. Church, if, if your life after this part of life is over, if you die and you blink into nothingness, then who cares 
Why did you even live? What was the point? But we can go even further than that. We can look at purpose instead of futility even on hard days or bad times, difficult seasons, moments of darkness, moments when your entire world shakes up, sometimes in wonderful ways, sometimes in hard ways. But we can even see incredible purpose and value in those things because of Jesus Christ. And so He sets us free from death, but He also sets us free from any type of futility in life. Most of you, or many of you, know the Easter morning story. You've heard it many times. Early on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and a few other ladies <coughs> go, <coughs> go to the tomb of Jesus. Rick, you were asking me how my voice was holding up. It was holding up great until you asked me that. That's, so now we know. We've learned our lesson, haven't we? Yes. You know the Easter, Mary Magdalene and, and some of the other ladies go to the tomb on Sunday morning. They realize that Jesus' body is not there. Jesus died on Friday. He was placed in a tomb with a giant boulder rolled in front of it to keep people out. Now, Jesus was crucified, and there were rumblings and rumors that Jesus taught He was going to rise again three days later. That if you destroy this temple, I'm going to build it again in three days. And, and these, these whisperings and these teachings, they were going around Jerusalem. And so when Jesus died, they made sure to put a very large boulder. took many people to move this boulder in front of the tomb so that no one could come and steal Jesus' body. Two Roman guards were also stationed there to protect the tomb or Christ's body from anyone trying to steal it. On top of that, there was the Roman seal put on the, the tomb, put on this boulder, and that's just a wax seal uh, that if you broke, if you broke that seal, you were taking your life in your own hands because that's as though uh, the emperor himself is sealing that tomb. And so they get there. And they see an empty tomb. Jesus' body not there. They run to tell the disciples. And Peter and John follow them back to the tomb to uh, you know, see what Mary is talking about, to confirm what Mary is saying. After they leave, Peter and John leave, leave, the rest of the ladies leave. Mary is still there alone at the tomb in the garden, as it were. We find that terminology there in Scripture. And Jesus approaches her, the second Adam in the garden once again as he approaches Mary. She doesn't realize that it's Jesus until she first speaks to him and then he speaks to her. And suddenly Mary's sorrow is turned into joy. Her eyes are open. Jesus is alive, just as He said He would be. Just as He said, He's alive. Well, that's the short version. That's the version where we is true and it's real and it's honest. And we retell some of the things that we read in Scripture. But we don't retell all of the things that we read in Scripture in all the detail. The other thing we haven't done there is use our imagination as we read through the resurrection of Christ in this whole scene. I've told you before that part of reading Scripture, part of really drawing out uh, the nutrition of Scripture, drawing, you know, is, is using our imagination to put ourselves in many of these positions and see these things play out in our mind's eye as we read through and we gain the context and we gain the instruction. 
So now I want to look at how this morning played out for one woman. And I want to see if we can put all the pieces together <coughs> and how, again, we see <coughs> an example of this same thing in, uh, in Acts later on. John chapter 20, verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now, Matthew tells of these women going to the tomb early. Luke says the same thing, as does Mark. But John adds here a small line at first glance for apparently no reason. But the rest of the accounts don't have this either. They have, John writes this line, while it is still dark. While it's still dark, you and I, we begin to put this together in our heads, in our hearts, and in our minds. While it's still dark, Mary goes from where she is and starts heading towards Jesus. If you know anything about John's gospel, his account of the gospel, you know, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very much interested in the, uh, the acts of Jesus and, and the ministry of Jesus. They're very much interested in the, the meat and potatoes of Jesus' ministry. John comes at this from a different angle. He comes from this from a more divine perspective, from a more spiritual perspective with everything that Jesus does and everything he teaches. We see here John certainly talking about the time of day, sure, while it is still dark. But make no mistake, while it's still dark, that's the condition of Mary. That's the condition of the disciples. That's the condition of Jerusalem. That's the condition of humanity before the resurrection of Christ, while well, it's still dark. It's dark. We see uh, darkness fall upon the land. We see darkness in the hearts and minds of people. We see emotional darkness, spiritual darkness. We see a sadness in these people, fear in these people, while it is still dark. This is a spiritual description as well. And it's very much like Genesis, you know, uh, uh, Adam and Eve's sin. And, and God comes to spend time with Adam as he did. And as he walks along in the cool of the day, Adam hides himself from God as though he can do that. And God calls out to Adam, Adam, where are you? That's not a physical question. That's a spiritual question. Adam, where are you? Very much the same thing here. While it's still dark, while it's still dark, these ladies head towards the tomb. So let's assume that we can speculate that what Mary has gone through. Her friend and her teacher has just been crucified, just been tortured to death. That's what crucifixion is, all right? It, it's a murder, particularly of Jesus. After all, the one he was standing under trial, uh, who was presiding over his trial, Pilate said, I have no reason. I see no reason to execute this man, and yet he's killed anyway. By definition, that's murder. Now, we've done this through torture, not simply by execution, Crucifixion is the worst way human, humanity at that point had come up with killing someone. It was, it was death by suffocation, basically. But you also suffered through those things, or, or through that suffocation in many different ways. Her friend, her teacher, is being tortured, and she stands and watches the whole thing play out. I don't know how close you are to somebody, your, your friends, your family, whoever it is, but to watch... Someone that you've given essentially your life to. That's the closeness that Mary and Jesus and, and all of the disciples have with Christ. And we see 
Jesus being tortured right in front of them. This same teacher told her wonderful and amazing things. This same teacher performed miracles, <coughs> but really this same teacher made huge promises to Mary that he was a king, that he was Messiah, that he was going to live, that he was going to usher in the eternal kingdom, the heavenly kingdom. And now, now he's dead. He's dead. We have 2,000 years of history. We have 2,000 years of church history, church tradition. We have 2,000 years of studying and knowing and understanding the Word of God. We live in a time and a place that righteous men and women have looked forward to. Have you, they've never been able to see it. We get to see it. Mary, these disciples, in the moment at the time, have no idea. What they know is Jesus is dead. Now imagine their condition. Sadness. Imagine Mary's sadness. Her friend. Her friend died. Her teacher, her guide, her rabbi, the one she follows, the one that has been defining her life over the past two years, he's dead. Sadness, but not just sadness. Sadness topped with loneliness, loneliness. You see, now she feels as though there is no direction. Now there is not someone Helping and guiding and leading and telling and showing and teaching. Not only that, the rest of the disciples are going through difficulty and hardship as well. What about confusion? Have you ever gone through these things? Sadness, loneliness, confusion. You might be going through these things right now. What do I do now? Jesus is dead. Where do I go? Do I, do I go to the tomb? Do I go home? Do I run away? Do I stop? Has this whole thing been a waste of time? I'm crushed right now. Confusion. Anger. Anger. Angry at the ones who killed Jesus? But what about this? If I'm Mary, angry at the one who made all of these promises and now he's dead. Anger. While all of this is going on, the disciples are being hunted. Now, Jesus is public enemy number one, but all of his followers are being hunted down as well. They're trying to kill them. Mary was one of his followers. So now we've got all of this. We've got sadness mixed with loneliness, mixed with confusion, mixed with anger, mixed with fear for her life, as well as the rest of the disciples. We know this from Peter's denial of even knowing who Jesus is because he was scared, of his, scared for his life. And later on, Scripture says they met together in secret behind the locked doors. Would Mary assume her life was not in danger as well? Many of her friends have scattered. The one seemingly given direction is not even there anymore. We can reasonably put it this way, church. Mary's world, her life, as well as the rest of the disciples, is being crushed. Crushed. And as though crushed were not enough, soon her entire world would quite literally be shaken. We're going to find that when Mary arrives at the tomb, the stone has rolled away and Christ has risen. I hope I didn't ruin the end of the story there for you, uh, but that, that's just what happened, okay? Christ is risen. Do we remember, if you remember back on the story, what happens 
while Jesus is rising from the dead, as he is rising from the dead, as these women are on their way to the tomb, before they may even begin their journey, this, this moment that stirs them in the darkness to walk towards Jesus. Matthew 28, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Verse 2, there was a violent earthquake. This violent earthquake did not happen when the ladies were there in front of the tomb. This violent earthquake happened as they were on their way or stirred them in the darkness to lead them to the tomb of Jesus Christ. By the time they get there, the tomb is empty. Jesus is gone. Their world is completely and literally shaken. So let's put this all together. Mary... Sadness, loneliness, confusion, fear, anger, while it's still dark, yes, certainly the time, but even the condition, Mary knows one thing, that she wants to go from where she is to where Jesus is. And on the way, or even the event that began her journey, her whole world begins to shake. Shakes up this person, shakes up that person, shakes up this path, that direction, these relationships... The relationships you have with friends and family. You're from where you are towards Jesus. And many times, He's going to shake up your life. He's going to shake up your life in the middle of a dark time. Your job is to go from where you are to where Jesus calls. Because while your life's being shaken in the darkness, Jesus is performing a miracle. He's saving your life. That's what Mary's doing. The whole world is dark, and now it shakes violently. And she's running to be in the presence of the empty tomb. You know, this shake could be enough to stop some. It could be enough to turn somebody back from finding Jesus, seeking Jesus, following Jesus. Shaking up of your world (coughs) can be scary. (coughs) It can be destructive. Again, though, shaking up your world can lead to great things, especially if it happens in the dark. So Mary keeps going. I wonder how many wouldn't, but she keeps going. By the way, she has no idea what she's going to do when she gets there. Remember, there's a rather large boulder, as far as she knows, in front of this tomb. Mark 16, the ladies asked each other on the way, who will roll the stone away? From the entrance to the tomb. Not only that. But they're going to have to confront two Roman guards. Maybe you're in a dark time. Maybe you're in a dark place. Maybe you've had dark days. You ever felt this way? Look, I know it's dark. And I know my world's shaking. And I know that I ought to. I need to. People have said that I need to walk towards who and what Jesus is. But frankly, what good is it even going to do when I get there? What's my next step going to be? What actions do I have to perform? What dances do I need to dance? Is there still going to be some sort of barrier between me and Jesus? Because I know he can forgive some sin, but he can't forgive it all. I know my past, my history, who I am, what I am. Is it even worth it to make the journey from where I am to where Jesus is? How am I going to overcome insurmountable obstacles in my life even if I do get close but never 
in His presence. You know, Mark tells us that as they wait, make their way to the tomb, you've got to play all this out in your mind. There is a timeline here. Mark tells us that as they make their way to the tomb, while they may have started their journey in darkness, the sun begins to rise. Mark 16, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. Look, church, I, whether we're using the actual sun as an example or not, that's, that's, that's fine. That makes for a good message. Whether this is about the resurrection or not, the point is this. The closer you come to Christ, the better you see. The better you see, the better you see yourself. The better you see people around you. The better you see the world. Priority, what's important and what's not important. The closer you come to Christ, the more you realize your own value, purpose, mission, and meaning. The closer you come to Christ, you really do start believing about yourself other than just the talk that you tell people. You actually do start believing about yourself that you are fearfully and wonderfully made for the purpose of glorifying God and others are as well. That's what happens when you pursue Jesus. That's what happens when around you everything's dark, but all you know is that I want to go from where I am to where Jesus is and what He says I am and who He says I am even though my world's going to be shaken up as I go. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that stop you. Your world's going to get shaken up when you follow Jesus. Nine times out of ten, that just means he's doing things miraculously for you. That's what he does for Mary, these disciples, for you and me on Easter Sunday, Easter morning, giving us life. The closer you get to Christ... The brighter your vision becomes, the more clarity about who we are, about who Jesus is and the path that Jesus wants for us. Again, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. The sun rises from the darkness and we see the world as it truly is, though we get shaken up to get to that point. Because when the world shakes, something's about to happen. Light's on its way. Life is on its way. And Mary shows up not to see Jesus, but to see an empty tomb, Matthew 28, 5-6, they get there, and there's an angel sitting on, the, sitting on the boulder, dangling his feet, as far as I know, eating an apple, right? Just waiting on him to get there because he's got a message to give. The angel said to the women, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I just picture him real excited. Don't be afraid. I've been waiting for you guys to get here. Don't be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen just as he said. Look, come, see, look. And see the place where he lay. What did Mary arrive to find? She found emptiness. Emptiness. You see, sometimes we think emptiness is a bad thing. We, we think emptiness is a dangerous thing or a negative thing. But this is the greatest emptiness that you or Mary ever saw or never saw. The greatest emptiness ever. She arrives to emptiness. But this emptiness means that Jesus is who he says he is that he did what he said he would do, that his promises, no matter how great, are always kept, that God accomplishes the impossible for you and me. While Mary's again, while her whole world is being shaken in darkness, Jesus was doing something miraculous for her and for you and for you. You see, this is the Easter message. You want to know the, you want to know the Easter message? You want to know the story about Jesus long about midnight? In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, 
They were praising and they were singing, singing hymns to Jesus. That's in the dark, church. They weren't waiting until it was light out. It was in the darkest moment, in the darkest time, in the darkest prison. What are they doing? They're walking towards Jesus. They're singing praises and they're glorifying Christ. Mary didn't wait until it was light. She went looking for Jesus in the darkness, even though her world was getting shaken up. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake, that ought to sound familiar, that the foundations of the prison were completely shaken. All at once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. That's you, and Jesus is the earthquake. That's you. And Jesus is the one that sets you free from prison, sets you free from bondage, sets you free from death, sets you free from this unrest in your heart, trades all of that for peace and joy and certainty of an eternal kingdom. We're filled, church. You're filled. I'm filled. The world's filled with two things, pride and fear. I'm tired of it. I'm sick to death of it. Get rid of the pride. You'll get rid of the fear. I promise you. We walk around in pride and fear. Jesus says, give me that. I'm going to trade that for joy, peace, freedom, love, eternity. This is what Jesus does. He comes in and takes you and me out of prison. And he guarantees it. He guarantees it with Easter morning. He guarantees it with an empty tomb. That's the gospel message. Two people that Jesus loves in prison. Jesus says, not anymore. You're freed up. Go live your life. Luke chapter 4, this is Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Actually, it's a prophecy that he's repeating. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That is the material poor and the poor in spirit. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Church, that's the gospel message. That's the gospel message. The message and mission of Jesus Christ has never, ever been one of persecution or tyranny or bondage. And if you think following Jesus is a list of rules, if you think it's a bunch of rights and wrongs and do this and don't do that, you do not know what it means to follow Jesus. You need to come and talk to me because you think you're following Jesus and you're not. Following Jesus is about freedom. Following Jesus is about showing the same kind of love that he showed you to other people. That's pretty much it. That's what following Jesus is. And then you get the freedom to live your life and to love people around you and to love Jesus. And you get the freedom to guarantee your life. And none of it, none of it, you did yourself. Which is great because you can't screw it up then. Right? It's a gift. It's a gift. The only difference is you, me, everybody who accepts this, we simply said yes. The word yes is very powerful. Very powerful. Of course, when I asked my wife to marry me, the word no was powerful. That was life-changing. At least for a while. Yeah, that's right. We wore down, we wore them down though, didn't we, Gary? That's it. Look, I realize you guys and, and, and everybody that was here for the other service, I, I, know that, I know that some of you face dark times and you face dark days and you face dark seasons in life. I have. Not nearly as dark as others, but maybe, you, maybe you're just in darkness. That You haven't gotten to this place, this point where you believe that Jesus really is who he says he is. 
that you really have accepted this gift and given your life to him. I realize you can face darkness as you go through life. But church, just like Mary, <coughs> just like Paul and Silas, darkness is not the time to stop. Darkness is the time to keep moving. Darkness is the time to, it's not the time to turn back. It's not the time to give up. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness, I know you're with me. Though I walk through, through, through. How many times have I said this? It's one of God's favorite words. Through. Once you walk through the darkness from where you are to the empty tomb. Through. The darker the night, the more resolve I have to start my journey to the empty tomb and to the feet of your Creator who loves you so much that He willingly went to the cross for you. And yes, look, if you decide to walk through the darkness, if you decide that darkness is not going to be your life, if you decide darkness is not going to be your earthly definitions, chances are your world is going to be shaken up a little bit on the journey. Just accept it. Just accept it. That's okay. And it may be shaken for some time. Look, this, this journey that Mary went on from where she was to the tomb, it didn't eliminate all the problems that Mary was ever going to face in her life. But all of those problems ultimately amounted to nothing because eventually Mary saw the face of her God, her Savior, and her friend. And Jesus told Mary, see, I told you, I told you, this is what I said I was going to do. And my imagination is he lifts her face to his eye with hands that are still scarred. And tells his daughter, your price has been paid. Your life's been saved. And this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. For all whom the Lord your God will call. And by the way, if you're wondering, if you're one who is called, stop wondering if you're sitting in this room right now. This is it. You understand that? The gospel message has been told in your hearing. So everything from here on out is your acceptance or your denial. And you better be careful if you're going to deny Jesus Christ. You have been called today. You've been called out through the darkness by Jesus. You might want to say yes. You might want to say yes. That's Easter. That's Easter. Church, Easter is a rescue mission from a dad to his kids. That's Easter. And he looks at his champion, who is his son. He says, I want you to go get him. I want you to bring him home. I want you to save him. And he says, son, do whatever it takes. Jesus says, I'll do it. I'll do it. And whatever it took was his life. That was the rescue mission. And it was successful because it's an empty tomb. A rescue mission from a dad to his kids. All we have to do is say yes. Say yes. Accept the gift that you've been given. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you showed us through another one that you loved, Jesus. We thank you that he died for us, and we thank, you that he, we thank you that he's listening to us right now, that he didn't stay dead, that he lives, and he's our king, and he's our savior, and our Messiah. We thank you, Father, that we, that we get to be seen through his perfection, that we are perfect through him, 
this righteousness that you've granted us. I thank you, Father. I thank you. I thank you that this is, this is hope, that this is meaning with every day that we face, every trial we face, every hard, hard thing that we face, we still have meaning. It, it, we still have purpose and a destination and a reason for being, all because of today, all because of Jesus. Father, help, don't, don't let us take this for granted. Let us, let us realize this and, and, and think about this and meditate on this and, and, and give thanks for these things, that our lives are saved in Jesus Christ, realizing that it's, it's not about who we are, it's about who you are. It's not about what we've done, it's about who he's done, what he's done every time, every time. I thank you, Father. I thank you that you sent him on the rescue mission. And I thank you that he didn't quit until he won, until he brought us home. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my too Till I made you I was breathing but not Great. 
did rescue my sin was heavy but chains break at the weight of your glory i needed shelter i wasn't orphan you call me a citizen of heaven 